Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. You have your Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. We are talking about a battle plan for fear. A battle plan for fear. Well, anxiety is on the rise. I don't know if you sense it these days, but with this new rising COVID thing that's increasing COVID, this anxiety is rising. It's more than just a pandemic fatigue. Streets are still aflame in some areas. We have distrust for police officers, for politicians, for politicians, for politicians, for corporations. We distrust the Russians. We distrust now the Iranians. And this morning I watched a guy get stung by a murder hornet. So now we have that to be concerned about. These and many more things are the seedbed of our fears. There's a lot of anxiety in our... our, Now maybe you came in here blissfully ignorant of all those things and you're just skipping in and I've just bummed you out. Well, let's find what the Word of God has to say to give you a reason for you to be confident. We okay with this? Yeah, good, okay. I was thinking, we're talking about fear, and I was thinking about how Jesus never succumbed to fear. Right? And you think, well, he was Jesus, but really, Jesus had a target on his back. Jesus was was really under a lot of pressure. In the middle of raging storms, Jesus was sleeping. When his adversaries were plotting his demise, Jesus was ministering to other people. When the disciples that he was teaching were turned out to be less than competent, somebody say amen, and he kept investing in them over and over again. When Satan specifically attacked him, he remained even keeled. And when God seemed far away, even after his betrayal and even during the crucifixion, he still prayed in faith to his heavenly Father. Think about that. At no point do we see Jesus ever freak out. At no point do we ever see Jesus give way to fear. So how do we live like Jesus in a world of anxieties and worries and fears. How do we manage our blood pressure? How do we manage our life choices? How do we get a grip on ourselves in a world that gives us a lot of reason to be afraid? 
Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Just one verse, and we're going to launch out from this one verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, that's so good I could get a double portion if we just read it one more time. Amen? So let's get this in our getter. Amen? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Patton said, having a battle plan that you can implement today is much more important than having the perfect battle plan that needs to wait until some tomorrow. And so while everything I'm going to say today is going to be very simple, that's because we can do it immediately. We don't even have to leave the sanctuary in order to do most of this, in order to get a grip on our fear. So what is the first thing that we need to do in order to get a grip on our fear? Number one, hate. Hate. Oh, I thought this was a church where they preach love. Well, we do preach love towards one another. But we're also preaching hate towards those things that are keeping you from living the fearless life that God has for you. God wants you to be fearless. Generally, we're too soft on sin, right? Especially our own sin, right? We're a little tough on other people when they sin, but when we sin, we understand ourselves, right? Like, I know I'm on a diet, and I know I ate that piece of chocolate cake, but you don't understand what I understand about myself. I needed that to remind me how sinful a creature I am, and how much I need Jesus. Instead, in order to overcome our sins, we have to really get a a, a definite hatred towards those sins. Because those things, they they go against us. They, They work against us. They war, as it were, on the inside of us against everything that we are. Those things tear against what God is building in our life. They're pulling down on the back end what God is building on the front end. And so those things are pulling us down. Those, things, those, those sins that we commit are all about tearing down the work of God. That's why in Amos chapter 5, verse 15, the prophet says this, Hate sin and love the good. Hate sin and love the good. So you have to hate specific sins because of what they do to marriages and because of what they do to people's righteous life and because of what they do to people's children. And, 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 and see, once, you, once you've counseled a few children that have been abused, you just hate child abuse, right? I, I understand no one's for it here in the church. We would never say that in the church in front of all these people. But I mean, you have to learn to despise these things that are poison for your soul. And when we choose not to hate them, but to tolerate them, to leave them alone, to let them dwell in the closets of our life, then we will never be rid of them. And as long as they are never, we are never rid of them, then they will always be like 
like the, that, 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 that scary ghost that's in the closet every time we open up the closet door of our heart. David's famous interaction with Nathan shows us how easy it is to be hard on someone else's sin. You remember the story of David and Nathan. David has sinned with Bathsheba and then eventually murdered Uriah, uh, uh, Bathsheba's husband. And then the prophet comes to him and says, uh, uh, King David, there's a guy who had very, only one little sheep, and he, 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 he had that one little sheep, and, and someone, someone took what was his, and David became indignant, and he said, that man needs to die. And then Nathan flipped the script on him. Thou art the man. You took Uriah's wife. And David was broken. See, David normally would, was giving himself a pass because he was the king and he understood himself and he had all these excuses and he knew how, why he did what he did and all these things. But yet at the same time, as soon as God pointed it out to him and revealed it to him and showed him exactly what was going on, suddenly he re realized the gravity of his sin. When we get too soft on sin, it's because we don't hate sin. You know, you say, Pastor, I don't know why you're talking about sin. I thought you were talking about fear. Jesus said, do not worry, except sometimes when you can't help yourself. Well, no, he didn't say that. Jesus said, do not worry unless you are a worrier. Do not worry unless you are wired in such a way that that becomes natural to you. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not even going to ask how many worry in here because most of us would raise our hand and most of us allow that, tolerate it, let it stay there in our life. Most of us don't even have it in the closet. It just comes to the table, sits on the couch with us and watches TV with us. And then you see some political commercial about somebody who wants to take away air or something, you know. Political uh, things are just so ridiculous, aren't they? They're trying to put all old people in wheelchairs and push them off a cliff. And you go, my, I didn't even know that. Now that's something for me to worry about. I'm old. I could be in a wheelchair. They're going to push me off a cliff. And, and now you have something new to worry. You know, people make millions of dollars getting you to worry. They do. I mean, they make millions of dollars. Most of you didn't even know you had bad breath until someone went, ha! on TV. Did you know you may be offending the love of your life with your horrible, nasty breath? Oh, my gosh. I didn't even realize that. And let's not even talk about your body odor. You're in church with your hands raised, just giving it all to the Lord, and the people are like, please... Don't share what you have with us. And companies are making millions if they can just get you to fear. They can get you to be anxious. How many of you ever had this experience? You're walking into a meeting and then suddenly you realize that you've had two cups of coffee and a chili burrito, don't judge. And right before you walked into that meeting, and you realize your breath is kicking like Bruce Lee. How many of you, how many of you ever recognize that? And you walk in and you find yourself 
kind of avoiding conflict with people, right? You hold your hand. Well, how, how are you doing? Because you don't want to offend them with your nasty breath. I do it all the time up here. People come forward, Pastor, will you pray for me? And I realize I've had three cups of coffee and my breath, my mouth feels like the inside of someone's sock (laughs) on a sweaty day after a run. And, 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 And that's what it feels like. And Pastor, I've got tears rolling down. I've got a need and would you just pray? And I'm like, okay. And so then I'll swing around Let's both pray together to the little, it's a little technique I use to give the nasty to the Lord and not to my brother or sister at the altar who are going through their crisis. You ever have somebody with bad breath pray for you and you're like, oh, oh, your knees are buckling. Oh, make it stop, Jesus. <laughs> How many of you ever had somebody with bad breath pray for you? Raise your hand. Come on, give the glory to the Lord. That's rough. I asked my dog, what do you think of that? And he said, rough. So, oh boy, that's an old joke. Thank God bless whoever laughed at that old joke. Jesus said, don't worry. Every time the angels showed up, they said, fear not. Right? Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Look at your neighbor and say nothing. Yeah, be anxious for nothing. Worry and anxiety are simply uncontrolled, untrusting, and faithless thoughts. Worry and anxiety are a lack of trust and a lack of faith that are just circling the airport of your mind, waiting to land at the the earliest opportunity that they can, and just causing you to be anxious about things, one thing after another thing after another. Well, are you saying, Pastor, that I don't have things to worry about? I'm sure you have things that you feel you need to worry about, but you don't need to worry about those things. You have things that bother you, things that you're unsettled about, but those things are opportunities for you to trust the Lord, but you're blowing it because you're not trusting the Lord. You're simply not trusting the Lord. Opportunity to trust God because the things, the wheels look like they're falling off the wagon, and instead, what do you do? You try to put the wheels back on the wagon. Try to handle your business yourself. And then what happens is you fail, and then you go, God, where were you? I was waiting for you to call on me. We need to learn to hate fear. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 18, that fear has torment. That when we're anxious and when we're worrying and when we're fearful, that it torments our soul. One of the torments, the simplest of the torments, is that it's sucking the faith right out of your life. Because faith and fear cannot occupy the same space simultaneously. You cannot be trusting God and fearful all at the same time. We see this when Peter gets out of the boat. Jesus says, come on, walk on the water. And Peter looks at the water and gets out. And he says, God, he's got to say somewhere. In, 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 it's like a miracle. He's walking on the water. And he's got to at some point go, this can't be really happening. And then it says he looks down and he sees the waves and the storm. And immediately, the circumstances crush his faith and fear comes into him. If if God is with you to take one step on the water, 
Won't he be with you the second step? But sometimes we don't believe that. Sometimes we hang back. We go, why would God let me do this for three steps on the water, for four steps on the water? See, if, if Peter really had faith, he would be dancing on the water. But instead he sinks because he's tormented by the circumstances around him because he can't surrender those circumstances. We need to hate fear because it torments us. We need to hate fear because it's at the root of so much depression. So much of the depression in our world comes out of the root fear. Oh, they won't like me. They won't accept me. They won't be there for me. They won't back me up. All those fears, all those worries, all those anxieties crush us and lead us to depression. We need to Hate fear because it paralyzes and ensnares us. Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man is a snare. See people all the time caring what other people think. Now wait, before you say, I don't care what other people think, the people who care the most about what other people think say, I don't care what other people think. Because they don't want to be thought of as one who is given to being thought of and thinking. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> it paralyzes. It, it ensnares. So if you've ever seen somebody completely afraid to be themselves, to, to act the way God has called them to act, to be, be themselves, then you see someone who's bound up with a fear. You need to learn to hate it because it makes the word unproductive. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22 tells us that Jesus is telling his disciples that this anxiety, the cares of this world, the worries of this life cause the word to not be fruitful in our lives. This is not some benign thing that we can allow to be in our life. It is something that we have to kill. We can't allow it to cohabitate with us. Talking to someone today, and they said, the mice have come back in our home. Now, there's two ways to deal with that. Kill them or buy more cheese, right? That's what you do. You either learn to live with the, with the, the mice. I... I counsel against that <laughs> because they breed like mice. <laughs> or you become ruthless, dressing in combat gear with a knife in your mouth, walking around the house, waiting for the opportunity to stuff every hole with, with uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Steel wool, thank you, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. I'm getting to be old here, I can't remember that. Putting poison out. I remember my grandfather telling me the story about when they had rats in his basement. And he had one of those little baseball bats that they get, used to give you at the, at the ballpark. How, how many of you remember those little wooden ball, ball bats? Yeah. So they would put, he would sit on a chair, this is... This is, we didn't have a lot of TV. So he would sit on the chair by the hole where the rats come in. 
And he would put bait out there. And when the rats would walk in, he would take that little wooden bat and whack it. Sometimes many times in order to kill the rat. Whack a rat. That's a good. Yes. Imagine that. That's, you can't do that and like rats. Right? You have to have a, 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 an intense hatred for these things that are coming into your life. I hate rats already because they ate the wires of my car, and it cost me $250 because Ford designed their wires with vegetable oil covering. Without hate for worry and anxiety and fear that is trying to damage your life, then you end up with this house guest in your life that is working against the thing of God. So say it with me. Hate fear. I will hate fear. Think about, think about a child that's blissful, just walking in blissful obedience just sharing this intimate relationship with the, his or her father. And as they're just walking along, they, they, they just live in this sort of innocence, right? Children just live in this bubble of innocence. And then think about the things that happen to steal away that innocence, to bring that person to the church later on, 20, 30 years later, with scars and dysfunction and damage to their souls. You have, to, you have to hate that which steals that innocence. Fear is that thing. We're walking with the Father. We're enjoying our fellowship. And then all of a sudden, we begin to fear these things that are around us. And the enemy comes and plies these fears into our life. Did you think about this? Did you worry about that? And if you have trouble sleeping, you even have more trouble sleeping now because he's feeding these thoughts. And you are, in, you are constantly in, a, in a, 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 a war trying to keep those, those thoughts on the other side of the net while you're trying to go to sleep. You're trying to not think about those things. You're trying to dwell on the, the, the things of God. To, to purify your mind. Which brings me to the second thing. First thing is hate. The second thing is speak. Monitor your mouth. So much of what we say is unbiblical. So much of what we say is unbiblical. Good luck. Good luck. Oh, you believe in luck? Do you believe in luck? Or do you believe in God? Oh, I'm just lucky I found Jesus. It's a weird combination. Did you find him at a casino or what? Where did you find him? Either God's superintending the things that we do in our life and has organized this life so that we can bump into him at some point in life and find somehow the grace of God that we can respond to, or we just got lucky. Sometimes we, we don't even hear it come out of our mouths. This life is so hard. Have you said that? Maybe this week? So hard. Yeah. No. Did you sleep in a Conestoga wagon 
that rode in from Ohio over the weekend? Because our previous generations, do you have a dust bowl blowing dirt so deep that you have to shovel your way out of the house when you come up? Because our forefathers endured that. Go watch, go watch the History Channel and see what, what it's like to run through those rat-filled ditches while you're fighting a tyrant on the, in, in Europe as they're trying to kill. Go look. Oh, this life is so hard. I've got to stay in. I'm almost out of toilet paper. Really? So hard. I couldn't get my latte today. So hard. How about this one comes out of our mouth all the time? I can't take it. You can't. I feel like God takes that as a personal challenge. <laughs> when, when, you say, when you say, God, I can't take it for one more minute, I feel like God says, I'll take that bet. <laughs> I bet you you can go 5, 10, 15 minutes before you pass out from exhaustion. Sometimes we have to watch what comes out. I'm not talking about some magical Oprah's secret where you're speaking it out into the, into the universe and the universe is going to give back the sausage pizza with pepperoni that you're desiring. I just threw that up there in case it works. But... I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about monitor the things that come out of your mouth. Are they biblical? Is it true? It's either true or it's not. This is how you know if it's true, if it squares up with the book. Is it true? Yeah, yeah, I, oh, I'm so lost. No, you're so found. You're saved. Oh, I can't figure it out. You've got the mind of Christ. Oh, I can't take it. You can endure all things through Christ who strengthens you. You need to begin to start hearing the word flow out of your mouth. Not read it and forget it. Oh, yeah, and then walk away and go live your life month, Sunday afternoon through, uh, Sunday mo through the next Sunday morning all without that word impacting your life. So many of us do that. We ignore the word uh, seven days a week except for that couple hours that we're in church on Sunday morning. If we're really spiritual, maybe Wednesday night too. Woo, three hours a week. Wow! And then, but you've got all that other carnality being poured into our life. We need to have devotions every day. We need to start having the word. We need, I'm not talking about uh, uh, making some kind of a, a confession that's not reality. I remember when I first came to the Lord, I was involved with a group of people who would not say they were sick. Like literally, there was green stuff flowing from the orifices in their face. How you doing? I'm fine in Jesus' name. Let me, let me cut you free from that. That's fear. You're afraid to tell the truth for fear it will come back on you double. God isn't like that. So if you feel lousy today, well, first of all, you should have stayed home. But if you feel lousy today, then go ahead and say, I'm lousy, I need prayer. You know, just be honest. This is what I need. I need prayer. Will you believe with me that God will perfect his healing purpose in my life? In your daily reading, start underlining those words, those promises that need to be coming out of your mouth. Read like you're devouring. See, we read the word sometimes just to get it done. We do our, 
our devotion. We read our chapter or whatever. Just uh, check the box. That's done. But you're looking for something that's useful. You're mining for nuggets that you can put in your pocket and spend later. So you're digging around, and if you search for it as silver, if you dig for it as gold, it says in Proverbs, then you'll find the wisdom of God. So you're looking for the wisdom of God so that you can find it, so that you can use it to remind yourself when you're depressed that you have no reason to be depressed. Oh, pastor, you have no idea. Do you know who my mother is? You have no idea how depressed I should be. Well, Despite the, first of all, you had a mother, right? Even if it's an imperfect mother. And be thankful for where you are. You could be still living with her, right? Like that country song, Thank God and Greyhound, she's gone. At some point, you have to find yourself. You have to find the life-challenging, faith-propping promises that are in there that are there for you to grab, and you have to put those in your wallet so that you can keep those. Like those promises we talked about a month or so ago on Wednesday night, where we were just talking about the promises that, 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 are just, that warm us, that, that give us something. If you, don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch or, or listen to those promises sermons about the promises of God, my favorite promises from God. The word, when it comes out of your mouth, it makes you, it makes you pay attention to what God thinks about your situation. And so your flesh may feel one way, but when the word of God comes out of your mouth, it reminds you that this is just a lying feeling, Right? I don't know anybody in here who feels that way, but I have known people in the body of Christ who have thought about killing themselves. Hope no one in here is going through that today. But sometimes the enemy will tell you you're better off dead. And you can go down that road for a while and walk around and talk to the devil about that. I would, well, because my insurance would pay this and blah, blah, and, you know, I wouldn't have to deal with this and I wouldn't be a burden to my wife and all these kind of things that you begin to tell yourself and, and these things. And actually, you might even talk yourself into it. But then you have to go and see what the word says. Before you were born, I knew you. I formed you while you were yet in the womb. I know you. Though you go through the fire, though you go through the water, no matter what you go through, I am with you. You are mine. And we have to prop ourselves up and, and deny those lying feelings and begin to see what the word says. God says that he is able to get me through this. God says that he has a purpose even when I'm in this place with this wound, with this, with this pain. God says that he can take me all the way through. What will be the testimony when I've endured this for a little while and then come through on the other side and I can say, my God saw me through and begin to speak those promises out to give yourself the boost that you need and to quiet the voices of worry and anxiety and fear. Number three, you have, to, you have to trust. Third thing you do is you trust. You speak and then you trust. Trust those words, bank on them, build on them, put all your weight upon them, and believe them, 
and, 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 and give yourself fully through it. One of those favorite scriptures, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. But you see, it's all dependent upon whether or not we trust the words that we're reading. And be aware of your little cheats. We have cheats. Oh, I trust the Lord in everything. I'm not saying you can't have backup plans. But, but trust the Lord. And, and, and watch for cheats that are telltale signs of your lack of faith. You know, I'm trusting the Lord for this. But it's just in case I told my wife, and she's going to fix it for me. Watch for your cheats. They're telling of how you really believe. Be vocal about your faith to others. Some of us do this secret Jesus thing. You're like, I'm trusting the Lord for this. But just in case he doesn't come through, I'm not telling a single soul. Right? I like to put it right out there where God can get embarrassed if he doesn't do a miracle for me. Right? Get right out there. I'm trusting the Lord that I'm not going to have COVID. Trusting the Lord for that. Put it right out there. I'm believing God. Even when I was pretty dead certain that I, was gonna, that I had it. Put it out there. Speak it out there. Yeah, I'm trusting the Lord. Put it out there. This is what, this is what I'm believing God for. In case, in just in case you want to believe along with me. And so you can share in, the, in giving the glory to the Lord when he comes through on our behalf. Now, I, you know, I know we say, God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. That's true. But we mostly say God is good when he's working on our behalf. Right? But then when suddenly, when things don't go our way, then it's like, God's not good. Right? That ain't right. God is good no matter what happens, whether your prayer gets answered or not. Amen. That's what the boys told, told Nebuchadnezzar when they threw him in the fire. Well, even if our God doesn't deliver us, you know, we're okay with it. We know who God is. Be vocal about your faith to other people. Walk in wisdom. Don't be foolish. Wear your mask. I'm not saying don't wear your mask. But I'm saying walk in wisdom and trust the Lord. Some external influences have to be curbed if you're going to go from warrior to warrior. You got to shut the TV off. There's some toxic people who, you know, the people, the Debbie Downers, that just come right into the room and go, hey, did you hear this? And you're like, oh, no. I can't possibly believe God if I hear this negativity. You may need to eat less with them. You say, what an unloving thing for pastor to say. It's a matter of survival. Faith is not secondary. It's primary in your life. And the fourth thing is, you have to stand. Every devil in hell wants you full of fear. Your battle plan for fear is ultimately going to be you standing against 
every circumstance, every lie of the devil, every accusation, every hunt, hunch, and every hint of what the enemy says about your life, you're going to have to take a stand and say, I am standing here. I am not giving way. Remember the game Red Rover? I'm old. Who, who remembers the game Red Rover? Do they still play that in school? It's pretty violent. I don't think so. Remember Red Rovers where you hold hands on half the, half the classes on this side, and they're all holding hands, which is so oneness and kumbaya. And then the other side is doing the same thing, and they're all holding on. And then they yell, Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Matthew right over. <laughs> now, theoretically, you wouldn't pick Matthew. You would pick some sniveling, weak, you know, 70-pound guy and, uh, who's got three sweaters on because he's cold. You would get that guy, and he would look down the line, and he would find the weakest link. Remember that? He would look, he would say, okay, not between t those two guys are on the football team. I'm not going to run through their arms. They'll break my neck. He would find the weakest link over here. And sometimes, you know, you'd pick a girl and you found out that she was pretty tough. <laughs> She'd knock you right on your keister right there and you'd be like, well, I guess I'm not going to pick her next time. Anyway, so you would send him on over and he would, he would be running and as he's running, you realize he's coming for me. He's coming. And you would double down and grip that hand and then they would have to break that hand and then they would take you captive over to their other side, Right? Remember that? Yeah. We should have a big game right after the service. Uh, <laughs> this. No, I'm just kidding you. The devil's always looking to pick the weak point in your life. For some of us, it's fear. It's where we're holding on to the promise. And he comes through to try to break our grip on the promise. I'm not saying you can't re-grip the promise once you've broken your grip. What I'm saying is he just keeps coming for that same weak spot. And in a way, he's doing us a favor. Because we find ourselves in doubt over and over again. He's showing us we need to shore up our belief system. There's a little boy who, whose um, older brothers were in the service. And they were fighting in a war. And uh, so he... He went to his father, and his father said, hey, I want you to bring this up to the battle line up there and, and give this bread and cheese to your, your brothers. And so he whistled his way down the path all the way there until he got up there. And when he got there, his brothers were like, what are you doing here? I brought you a sack lunch. Oh. And then he looked around. This is what we miss. You know who I'm talking about? David, right? You've heard this story before? And he looks around, and this is what we miss. How disappointing the army of God is. Looking around. It's not about the bread and cheese. It's not about how his brothers disrespected him. It's, it's, it's how the army of God was so filled with fear that they were cowering behind the rocks every time the giant would step out. 
and say, send me someone to fight. I'll bite his head off. But David came from outside the environment of fear. David came from outside that environment. He came from a place where when the lion came in, he had to trust the Lord and fight the lion on his own. When the bear came in, he had to trust the Lord and fight the bear on his own. When he was walking there, he could have been jumped by marauders or bandits, but he was doing what he was told to do. And when he got there, he couldn't understand why the army of God is so disappointing. Why is the army of God so disappointing? Hiding behind their rocks. Big, big guy out there. Yes, David was filled with faith. Yes, he walked down to the brook. Yes, he grabbed the stone. Yes, he slung it in the spear, and it flew towards the giant's head. You know the story. He cut the giant's head off after the giant was felled with one rock. By the way, if you're interested in the cost of David's ammo, zero. Cost nothing for him to reload his sling if he needed to. And he killed the the enemy right there because he was offended not just by the, the giant not just by Goliath because he may be looking Goliath right in the face but the biggest offense is the army that's so stinking disappointing the army of God needs to get a grip and stop hiding behind the rocks. You say, well, maybe God can deliver me from this fear. Good news, he did in Jesus Christ. You don't have any reason to fear. If we really believe God is with us, then if God tells us to, we should be able to walk at a machine gun through a hail of bullets, trusting. Uh, granted, this is further down the road than I am right now. But if God is telling you to walk into, the gun, into a, a, a rain of gunfire and bullets, it, then we should be able to walk into that trusting the Lord. Why, don't we, why wouldn't we ever think of doing that? Well, we wouldn't think of it because we, what if, what if Jesus isn't real? And that way, we're not too different from people who come to church, but they also practice Buddhism, you know, a little yoga and some meditation occasionally, just in case they're right too. Because Confucius say, trying to cover all their spiritual bases, is to commit to Jesus. David didn't wonder whether the Philistines, gods of Gath, were going to back up Goliath. He knew. That boy's going down. Yes, the reality is he's a big boy. And I may need help lifting the sword to cut his head off. 
But he's going down because my God is bigger than the circumstances I'm in. Pastor, are you saying that we should be crazy? I don't have a single story, a single story from any hero of my faith that's more crazy than Mark Buntain. I've said this story so many times, but when he was pouring the pylons for his multi-level hospital in Calcutta, India, and the pylons were dug and they said, uh, preacher, we can't pour concrete in there because it's, got, it's wet on the bottom. We cannot pour it in there. And he pulled his Bible out of his, because it was the last pylon. He pulled his his. Bible out of his pocket, and he threw it down in the hole. He said, pour it onto the word of God. And they built that hospital. It stands today. It's ministering to the broken people and the brokenhearted and the orphans of Calcutta. Now, any construction person will tell you, that's crazy. But only the crazy stories preach well. (laughs) I'm sure there's many people who went up there and looked in the hole and said, yeah, we can't do it, and they walked away. And no one's using them as a sermon illustration. Why is that? Because it doesn't demonstrate any faith. The world is changed by people who are a little bit bold and not a little bit fearful. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to overcome our fear, our worry, and our anxiety. We confess, Lord God, we are a needy people. And we also confess, Lord, that many, many, many times the army of God is disappointing. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be those fearless warriors. Make us warriors, Lord. Make us warriors. Take away our worry. Take away our fears. We ask, Father God, that you would minister to us and through us to those around us. Let there be encouraging words spoken out of our mouth, Lord. Let there be a hate developed for the bondage and the trials of fear. Let us take a stand, Lord God. Let us believe with all our heart and trust with all of our heart. And Father, we'll be able to talk to you in the end day about all the things that we have questions about when we get there. In Jesus' name. While your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, Is there anyone in here who is feeling that they are really, really wrestling with fear these days? Would you lift your hand real quickly? Yes. Two, three, four, five, six. Father, I pray for these ones, Lord, who've acknowledged this need before you. Fill their hearts with the word. Fill them, Lord God, with with a confidence in you, Lord God. And I know it only comes as they get into the word, as they, as they hear your word, and as they apply it to their life. But I ask, Father, for the grace of Christ to be there. Help them, Lord God, to rise up and take a stand. Lord God. And I pray it in your precious name.
Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.